Welcome to Pathway to Faith with Bishop Steve Howe. Turn your expectations high as you receive the word from our man of God. Prepare yourself to hear a life-changing message. Let's tune in now. Isn't it amazing the people that God can and God will use? Some, some of the, the strangest people. Perhaps I need to say something before I really get started because uh, sometimes when you come out and you stand before people uh, after the Lord has released a measure of blessings on your life, sometimes they think that's where you got started. And so today with my message, Bishop, if you would allow me, I'm going to uh, push the button this morning and I'm going to push the DVR on rewind and I'm going to talk about with the help of God not about this house but the houses that you were in before you came to this house mm. when we were singing the song and we were saying that I'm thankful I'm thankful today that I'm standing before you and I don't have holes in my shoes anymore. I'm thankful that I'm standing before you and I don't have holes in my clothes anymore. I'm thankful to God this morning because I'm no longer hungry because there's food in my house. I'm thankful this morning because I live in a house now that when it rains, I don't have to put cans out to catch the water. Mm -hmm. I'm thankful this morning because when I go home, all I have to do if it's cold in my house is flick a switch and I can get heat. I can turn it the other direction and it gets cold in my house. I don't have to cut wood anymore or go out and get kindling anymore. Oh yeah, I have a whole lot to be thankful for. Mm -hmm. Thank God. I thank God this morning that I have clothes on my back. And I'm thanking him today that I don't have a girl's blouse on today to try to stay warm in Ohio. I got on a shirt today. I'm thankful. I'm thankful. I'm so thankful today, Bishop. I'm thankful that for the place you put us in, up in to spend the night, glory to God. A place that I used to have to pass by, but now I can rest my head. I'm thankful. I'm going somewhere. Just, just bear with me for a moment. I'm thankful. I'm thankful as a 17-year-old boy coming home after basketball practice, raised in a shack that I was raised in that never had electricity. It never had running water in it. And to come home at 17 years old and was raised by my father and to come home and hit the door and discover that my father was dead. They were contemplating putting me in a children's home. But a man that Bishop Jakes already referred to, Bishop Cecil Pratt from Springfield, Ohio, 
I'm being raised in a section of town called the Needmore section. He saw something in me. What he saw, I don't really know, but he took me into his house and loved me like a son. And from his house, I went off to Vietnam and fought in a war and God still kept me. And I came back to the United States of America, still in my right mind to the glory of God. I'm thankful today. I'm thankful. I'm thankful in the first grade not having lunch money. I'm thankful in the second grade not having lunch money. I'm thankful in the third grade and the fourth grade not having lunch or ever eating breakfast. I'm thankful in the sixth and the seventh grade. They've been going to school and kids making fun of me because I didn't take a bath sometime for a month or a month or two because we never had running water. But I'm not smelling today. Glory to God. I'm thankful. I'm thankful. I think, I think I've said enough this morning for you to stop being impressed with the suit that I got on. Or the shoes that are on my feet. Some people say it, but it is a reality in my life. Everything I have, everything I have, everything I have is because of Jesus. everything I have a few things out there I believe will bless you I was going along doing what God told me to do and uh, a preacher from the hills of West Virginia gave me a call and told me to come to North Carolina Greensboro to be more precise and to minister and I came to minister and brought this book, No More Soul Ties. Thousands upon thousands of copies were sold at that meeting and thousands upon thousands went around the world. I want to thank him because coming up like I did and being raised in so much rejection, who would have thought that a man like Bishop T.D. Jakes would call a person like and place me on his world platform and today I am still thankful. I say to the Jakes family that I am thankful because loyalty is a rare commodity. You can lend your platform to people and they can blow up as it were and then forget about who put them on the scene. But I'm here today to tell you, thank you. After 30 something years, I haven't moved because I'm grateful. After 30 something years, I'm grateful for the person and the family that God used to thrust us out before the world. I preached in Africa and around the world because of you. And I come back today on your 45th ministry anniversary to say, to say thank you. Yeah. So avail yourself uh, to no more soul ties. It will bless you immensely. My wife's book on the best you, confidence, the difference maker. You certainly need to, to avail yourself. 
this is fresh off the press. It's called test positive for faith. Uh, uh, being vaccinated against defeat. Amen. Anybody want to walk in victory? Amen. This is the antidote to defeat. You'll walk in victory in every area of your life. And then I brought my spiritual daughter, Chutney Jimerson. She have a CD out there. I want you to avail yourself to all of these different materials. I know you'll be blessed by it. Can I get busy now? The title of my message today, I won't be long. Is after 45 years, my question to Bishop and to the Potter's House, after 45 years of ministry, are we there yet? Turn to somebody and ask them, say, are, are, we, are we there yet? I just want to know if, if we're there. One of the things about this 45-year journey is that I know from my short time of being on this earth and the things that God has done in my life is that nobody gets there on their own. <laughs> and so when I think about Bishop Jakes and the family of 45 years of ministry and knowing that no one gets there by themselves, I, I couldn't help but think that uh, uh, Moses needed Aaron. And, and Elijah, uh, he, he needed Elisha. And, and, and Paul, Paul needed Silas. And for the sake of time, I have so much I want to share. But for the sake of time, I want you to go to your Bibles to Matthew 27. I want to spend the bulk of my time that I have I want to spend it there. Uh, Jesus. Are you in Matthew 27? Let's, let's look at this because we've already mentioned that Moses, uh, he needed Aaron to fulfill his assignment. And Elijah, he had Elisha to fulfill his assignment. And Paul, uh, you have to be careful who you run with, Paul had Silas and Silas wound up in prison because he was faithful to Paul. But in Matthew 27, are you there yet? Look at verse number 32. I'm going to spend all of my time right here because I'm going to say something that perhaps is going to rock your theology. Because remember I said, nobody gets there alone. 
You may be a judge today, but you didn't get there alone. You may be a doctor today, but you didn't get there alone. You may be a successful businessman or businesswoman, but you did not get there alone. You may be a successful pastor, but you didn't get there alone. And we celebrate the Jake's family today. But I know the Jake's family did not get there alone. The reason that I know, oh boy, here we go. The reason that I know no one gets there alone is because Jesus didn't get to Golgotha alone. Are you in Matthew 27? Verse 32, let's let's take the liberty and read together. Now, as they came out, they found a man of Cyrene, Simon by name. He they compelled or drafted. To bear his, talking about Jesus, bear his cross. Please, please be seated. Say with me, nobody gets there alone. Say it again. Yeah, say it again. Nobody gets there alone. Jesus arises from the Passover table after he established the communion and passed out into the darkness of the night to the garden of Gethsemane. He prayed in the garden of Gethsemane with such agony that it had a natural reaction upon his physical body. He prayed so hard that he was literally drained of his energy in his physical body. He goes to the disciples because he had charged them to pray as he went off a little ways to pray by himself. And the Bible says when he came to the disciples, he found them sleeping. He woke them up and said, pray with me for the hour has come and he walks off another pace and he prays and he comes back again and he finds the church people sleep. He goes off a ways and he prays again And he comes back and he finds the people asleep. And then he says, pray, lest you enter in to temptation. He said, but the time has come, go ahead and sleep. In other words, what he was saying to him, the time that you needed to pray for what is getting ready to happen, the time to pray has passed. (laughs) 
what I needed you to pray for and to pray with me about, that time has passed. Now the time has come for me to be given up. Stay with me now. Somewhere along this journey, uh, one of his disciples, that's why I said, Bishop, uh, as I've lived a little while, I've come to discover that true friendship. I'm not talking about this casual stuff. I'm talking about true friendship is a rare, rare commodity. And so they had already been given the signal that the one I kiss, that's the one. Always remember this. If, if, if the person is not close enough to kiss you, that cannot be your Judas. I didn't say that a person close to you was Judas. I'm just simply saying to you that Judas can only be Judas if they're close enough to kiss you. Which just simply means everybody who says that that they are your friend is subject to yield to the wrong spirit and turn on you. And so we know the story. We know the story, we know it well. That they tried Jesus. The Bible says they tried him all night long in these kangaroo courts. He went from one court illegal to another trial illegal to another trial illegal. Not only did they try him, but they beat him. They kicked him. They spat on him. They punched him. And all the while, his body, his physical body is getting weaker and weaker. And while they were beating him from the time that he came into this earth, he was on his way to Golgotha's hill. But nobody gets there alone. So now he is weary in his body. His strength is all gone. And now they're marching him to Golgotha's hill. His back is ripped open. Blood is everywhere. He's dehydrated. In his physical body, he's thirsty, not from the court, but he's been thirsty from his midnight hour prayer. His body is weak, and now they put upon him a cross, a cross that weighed perhaps 200 to 300 pounds. And Jesus is carrying your sins and my sins to be nailed on the tree at Golgotha's hill, the hill of the skull. And while he's marching 
while he's walking, while he is dragging this cross, paying a price for you and a price for me. On one occasion, he falls to the ground carrying your cross and my cross. Anybody here ever fell down? But when he fell, he got up. Anybody ever fell down and got up? And the soldiers kept whipping him and whipping him and whipping him and he found some way to drag his physical body back to its feet. And he kept going, marching toward Golgotha's hill. And somewhere along the journey, because he's dehydrated, he is, he is, he has totally lost all of his strength. He falls again. Anybody ever fell again? And he gets up. Anybody ever fell twice or three times and got up by the glory of God? But what you just read in Matthew 27, verse 32, it makes reference to his last fall. This time, Jesus the Christ, the son of the living God with the cross on his shoulders, mother. He falls for the last time. This time when he falls, he doesn't get up because he can get up. He has no strength to get up. But his journey is not finished. Our salvation, our deliverance has not been solidified, but he can get up. And the Roman soldiers looked out amongst the crowd and saw a Cyrenian, Simon, from a North Africa colony. He was a Jew. And what some people don't understand, the only reason that he was in Jerusalem is because he was there to celebrate the Passover. And the Bible says that the soldiers looked out amongst the crowd looking for somebody to help Jesus finish his journey. And the Bible says that a tall man from Cyrene, that the Roman soldiers, they drafted him. Now, some of you have never been in the military. You don't really know. You see, uh, Jesus wasn't drafted. Jesus willingly, he signed up for the job. You know, there were some Vietnam veterans who went to the war because they were drafted and some signed up. So when you, when you get drafted, you don't, you don't have a say-so. Now, I know with your American westernized mind, you would try to think that the reason the Roman soldiers chose this Cyrenian from North Africa was because he was a black man. 
but they didn't choose him because he was a black man. Because in those days, it wasn't about color. Color didn't come in until the colonizers got involved. They chose him because he was a tall, strong man. And physically, he looked like he could handle the weight of the cross. What I'm trying to get you to see this morning, that Jesus himself, who came to pay the price for your salvation and my salvation, needed help to finish his journey. Because nobody gets there by themselves. Look at the dichotomy. Look at the comparison. You got, you got one man carrying the cross willingly. You got another man carrying the cross with anger. Not willing to do it. And he was not willing to do it because of Jesus. He was not willing because he was a Jew. And he was in Jerusalem to participate in the Passover. And he knew that if he put his hands on that crucifixion, it would make him unclean. So his rejection wasn't a rejection to Jesus. His rejection is because he understood the ceremonial. That if I put my hands on this unclean thing, somebody help me this morning. It's really strange, isn't it? We live in a strange day. And uh, I just want to say to the Powder House members who are at home watching the streaming when you could be here in the house. That, that you have to be careful because you may be, you may be yielding to a seducing voice that is telling you, I'll come back when things are back to normal. Well, if that's your position, then you're never going to see Bishop Jakes again. Because we're never going back. We're never going back. The normal that we used to know, it will never come again. It's gone. And this new normal is still being redefined. I don't know about you, but I'm just thankful that the Potter's House doors are open today. Got three people happy. Got four people happy. Got some people over here that got some folk up there. Yeah. Yeah, no, nobody. Nobody gets there alone. I'm thinking now of Temple of Faith at 5500 Big Tyler Road, Crossland, West Virginia. I'm thinking now of Bishop T.D. Jakes 
its first member, Pastor C.R. Smith and his wife Judy. Nobody gets there alone. I'm thinking about his sister Jackie and uh, his brother Eugene. No, nobody gets there alone. I'm thinking about Gwen uh, and Wes uh, Womack because nobody gets there alone. I'm thinking about the Robinson family, Lawrence and Gerald. Nobody gets there alone. I'm thinking about Brenda Camp. Nobody gets there alone. I'm thinking about Deacon Holloway, the one who carried his wallet when he traveled around the world. I'm thinking about his wife, Denise. Nobody gets there alone. I'm thinking about Betty Jones and family. I'm thinking about Calvin and, and Ruby uh, Melvin. Nobody milder. You never get there alone. I'm thinking about Rosa Brown. Nobody gets there alone. I'm thinking about Apostle, this great man, his spiritual father, Bishop Watkins. Nobody gets there alone. I mean, we thank God for this, but this just didn't happen. Somebody paved the way before you and I ever showed up because nobody gets there by themselves. thinking about his children. Nobody gets there by themselves. I'm thinking about being with him in the room with his wife and his mother. I was there when his mama, Mrs. Jakes, took her last breath while his video was being played on the television. But Sister Jakes is still breathing. When she took her last breath, he kept breathing. Jackie kept breathing. Eugene kept breathing. I'll never forget it. I'll never forget it because I grew up without a mother. My mother was ladies in the neighborhood who saw this little poor boy coming through the neighborhood riding his stick horse or rolling a tire. Those were my toys. I'm standing here today because Miss Ruth and Miss Smith gave me food. Because most of the time of my childhood, I was always hungry. I would go out in the field and dig worms out of the ground and sell them to the bake store so that I could have something to eat. Y'all don't know nothing about that, but now you understand why I'm thankful. And when I saw Mother Jakes take her last breath, he bishops on one side of the bed, I'm on the other side of the bed, close to the, close to the other room, looking at his mother and looking at him. And I never had seen up to that time in my life, I'd never seen him in such a vulnerable uh, uh, disposition. When she took her last breath, I looked at him, it was like the life came out of him. And I was struggling with trying to understand how do you love a mother like that? What did she do that caused you to respond that way as a result of her taking her last breath? Because I never experienced that kind of mother love.
And then as I watched him, as I was standing in the corner praying, I saw something come over him. And he stood up. No, I'm not talking about what I read in the book. I'm there. And he stood up. And he threw his shoulders back. As though his mother was still speaking to him. And if she was speaking, I'm sure the words were, you know what to do. I've carried you as far as I can carry you, Jackie and Eugene. I've carried you as far as I can carry you, Dexter. You, you know what to do. He threw his shoulders back and he gathered himself. And he looked over at me with tears in his eyes. And he said his favorite saying, I'm good. I'm good now. What he was saying is my mother had carried the cross as far as she can carry it. But she doesn't have to look any further. I'm the next man in line. I got it, mama. And I'm well able to carry it the rest of the way. Because nobody gets there by themselves. Or you might stand there, sit there and try to be cute, but you didn't get to where you are by yourself. You might not give them credit, but somebody helped you. Somebody prayed you through. Mm -hmm. And today we're going to honor them. We are going to honor them. For 45 years of the faithfulness of God. And I'm not talking about you getting in their face saying, Bishop, I love you. No, it's going to be some tangible love today. Forty, forty-five years. See, what some of you don't understand, we call it 45 years, but I call it 45 life. Because what they have given you is their life. That they could have spent anywhere but they've given their life to you. Uh, Bishop Jakes, would you, would you please come? Would you, would you please come? Uh, uh, sorry, sorry, sorry. Would you, would you just stop right there? Stop right there. Uh, and I don't mean to be offensive, but, but he, he's walking almost like he, he got there, uh, you know, like he's walking. But, 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 no, 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 I, I didn't, I didn't forget. I just, I just saved the best. Because there's somebody who was the wind under his wings. And there was somebody who, who stood with him in ministry, who was his cheerleader and not his competitor.
Because if you're not careful, you can marry a competitor where she's fighting you over the mic. But, but he didn't marry a competitor. He married some help. He married a cheerleader. He married somebody who would be the wind under his wing. She married, he married somebody who said, you go ahead, honey, I got your back in prayer that no demon and no devil will be able to touch you. I'm covering you. When you step out, I'm your prayer warrior. I'm your intercessor. So ladies and gentlemen, nobody gets there by themselves. And we've seen in the word of God that Jesus didn't even get to the hill of Golgotha on his own. And if Jesus needed help, how much more? Ladies and gentlemen, would you help me celebrate this great woman who have stood by his side for 45 years in ministry? Serena Jakes, would you please come? Yeah. Yeah, come on, come on, come on. Come on in church. Those of you online, stand up in your house. Stand up in your living room. Get up out of the bed and put your hands together. And welcome Bishop and Mrs. T.D. James. Come on, you can do better than that. We're talking about 45 years. We're talking about 45 years. You didn't ask me to do it. We don't play games, but this is right. Apostle Paul, he said in uh, the book of Philippians chapter four, and if you all check me out when you get home at about uh, verse number, the whole chapter is powerful, but particularly verse 17, he was telling the church at Philippi, he says, in your givings, he says, he said, it's not that I need it. He said, it's not that I need it, but I rejoice over your giving into my ministry, into my life, because it is stacking up an account on your behalf in the presence of Almighty God. In other words, he was saying, it was not that I needed the gift, but I'm excited about what the gift is going to do for you as a result of you planting your gift in good soil. And listen to me, you may have missed occasions after occasions where you had an opportunity to honor them and you didn't do it. You don't want to miss this one. And those who know me know I don't just say things to be saying things. But you don't want to miss this. And it would be so wonderful if everybody in this room would do what the Holy Ghost would tell you to do.
I'm believing God for an offering that'll put a smile on his face and her face. Not, not that they need it, but what it's going to do in our lives as a result of sowing into them. And if Apostle Paul was good ground, certainly Bishop T.D. Jakes and Sarita are good ground. And I'm talking to my internet church. Those who are watching a streaming or on Twitter, you can do something. There's ways that are on the screen right now where you can give. I could try to put an amount in your mouth, try to put it in your heart, but what is their value to you? Are they worth more than you going out buying an expensive pair of shoes? Are they worth more to you than a fancy dress or a designer suit? What value are they to you? To the potter's house, I'm speaking to you because you have one of the greatest pastors, teachers, preachers, apostle, prophet on the face of the planet. And he is your pastor. She is your first lady. And I want you to do what God has told you to do. And certainly I wouldn't ask you to do something that I wouldn't do myself. Wow, what an amazing message. Thank you for listening to our Pathway to Faith broadcast. If you're ever in the Kansas City metro area, join Bishop and Dr. Howe at Harvest Church International Outreach, 4300 North Corrington Avenue, Kansas City, Missouri, 64117. Or catch our services live online at www.harvestchurchkc.org. Be blessed.